today on It's Time. You can look at your life and say, man, I've done everything wrong. I've done this wrong. I've done that wrong. Thing. But God fixes it. Always remember those two words, but God. I hear the calling. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Get away from the hound of heaven. It will haunt you. That's, see, that's how we, we begin to understand the principles behind, you might say, the Holy Spirit in the way God motivates us to communicate his truth. And so Paul now, understanding, son, schooled by Gamaliel, a son of the Pharisee, they don't know who Paul is. Now, around Jerusalem they did. But you got to realize, we're getting out in the outermost parts of, of civilization here when we start finding these areas. They didn't know who Paul was. Just a guy sitting in the synagogue on a Saturday. Anybody got something to say? Stand up and say it. Paul stands up. Look what he says. Men of Israel, you who fear God, listen. So whoever's there, the, the Jewish believers and those that are looky-loos that are there in the room. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. Now right here, Paul is building a tremendous bridge, you might say. In other words, it isn't somebody standing up and and with some kind of religious psychobabble, Paul now is addressing what they know to be the case. Again, a lot of people, and you're far outside of the land of Israel now, so here's somebody that knows the history of the nation of Israel standing up with intelligence saying, hey, you remember when the nation of Israel was in slavery in Egypt and how God brought them out and put up with them for 40 years in the wilderness. Now that was pretty notorious because again, understanding all the things that the children of Israel went through when uh, God led them out of Egypt, wandering in the wilderness. We remember this is where Moses struck the rock. Water came out the second time Moses was told to speak to the rock and he struck it instead. Because of that, God didn't let him go into the promised land. The children of Israel wandered in the wilderness eating manna. This food would appear on the ground every morning. Amazing. They just go out and pick it up and eat If they took more than they were supposed to, the Bible says that overnight it would spoil. And I I, I think that's kind of a funny thing. And this is off the subject, but, you know, it's kind of like us today. Jesus said that he was the manna that came down from heaven. And and I really believe, friends, that we need a, a new filling of God's bread every day. Jesus said he was the bread of life. And 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 so he said he put up with them. Well, verse 19. And when he had destroyed 
The seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. This is what Joshua did when he came in uh, after Moses had died. and They went through the Jordan River. And after that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards, they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man and the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Now, friends, this is very articulate. It's one thing to know Saul. It was another thing to know Saul's dad and where he came from. So I believe at this time, the people of the synagogue and those that had studied Judaism were now by now probably listening pretty intently. So far, 100% biblical Israeli history, you might say. And so it says, And when he, speaking of God, removed him, he, speaking of God, raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And one thing we do find that David didn't do everything right. In fact, as we get to the very last chapter of Second Samuel, you'll find that David numbered Israel. And the Bible says, and he moved David to number Israel. Well, the he evidently was Satan, not God. And if you'll notice in your Bibles, if you, if you like to spend any time like that, you'll notice that he is not capitalized in the King James. And the reason why is because it wasn't God that moved him to number Israel. Most likely it was Satan that moved him to do that. The point was that God punished Israel for David's numbering of Israel, which tells me something. It's never too late in our life to do something stupid. Okay? Sometimes we think, oh man, I've been a Christian all these years and how can I do something that dumb? (laughs) You can do it. Because David did it. The point is, is not that David did everything right, but David had a soft heart towards God that when David was confronted with the sin, whether it was numbering Israel or taking Bathsheba as his wife or whatever it was, David repented. You see, when Saul was confronted with his sin, he blamed somebody else. You go back to the original sin of man. God said, Adam, why did you eat of the tree? Well, that woman you gave me, you know, it's either you or her. You guys duke it out. Let me know what happens. You know, to blame God, saying, well, it's that woman you gave me. So it was either something you did to me or something that she did to you. I don't know. You figure it out. Well, the result of that, of course, was the curse. Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. The earth was cursed. And we're all living under that curse today. That's why it's cold outside tonight. God put man and woman in a beautiful place. They refused to obey God, and God removed them from that place. Well, looking at this, understanding that because God forgives our sins, he's looking for a softness. Now, I often wonder, friends, think about this for a minute. If Adam and Eve in the garden, when God said, why did you eat of the tree? Or who told you you were naked? If they'd have said, Lord, we're sorry we sinned, forgive us. I believe God would have forgiven them right, right at that moment. But what's amazing is they didn't. They offered excuses instead of repentance. What does man do today when confronted with their own sin? Rather than to repent, they'll offer excuses. Well, you know, I'm not as bad as a guy next door. Or, you know, yeah, I know I do a few things wrong, but I'll get right with God when I'm ready to die. 
Or I just don't believe in God at all. In fact, I don't even know what sin is. Sin's a matter of opinion. Well, you see, that then creates another issue, by the way. That's where laws of a land come in. That's why we know it's wrong to murder people. Because the Bible says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And so you don't want somebody murdering you, so you shouldn't murder somebody else. You don't want somebody to steal from you, you don't want to be stealing from somebody. This gets back to the moral law. So when somebody then goes into denial and saying, well, I don't really even know what sin is. Well, wait a minute. Yes, you do. And see, all sin ultimately is against God. But we see the consequences here on this earth. That's why David, in the Psalms, when he wrote this great psalm after he got busted for this affair with Bathsheba, he said, Lord, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Just somebody would say, well, what about Uriah, her husband that got killed in battle? David, that you set up for him to be murdered. What about that? The sin ultimately is against God, but there is always the trickle-down consequences. Friends, that's what we're seeing in our world today. See, people in their rebellion to God, they're in darkness, they're in blindness, the Bible says, but the result then is unfair government. The re- result is, is, is cruelty or, or um, lawlessness. That's all a direct result from losing vision of who God is. That's why I believe that the one world order, the Antichrist system, cannot really fully be achieved until you might say our godly heritage is scoured from our land. Because, see, again, we we know, most Americans, if you, I I don't know, I I know now they're not teaching much in the way of of civics or or, um, government in class, um, but in the old government classes, you learned what our foundational fathers taught. That's why I know some of the things I know is because you look at the Christian principles that our nation was founded upon. That didn't mean that they did everything right, just like David didn't do everything right. But there was a willingness to know God. This is why the Bible here says that he would establish David as king. It says, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. And from this man's seed, verse 23, according to the promise of God, raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus. Now, what he did is, and, and, I, and I believe this is wisdom. Um, he doesn't just throw out, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit more... And I think this is what the Holy Spirit does. But it's, it's a little bit like playing chess. Um, or some people play checkers that way. Okay, it's your move. Uh, okay. Mm. There's no plan. There's no thought involved. It's just move. Well, you usually lose. I believe that when we set down with a plan, great things can happen in our lives. Ajaniah decides to make himself king. The problem was King David was still alive. And Bathsheba goes in and says, David, I thought you said Solomon, my son, would be the next king. But Adonijah has declared himself to be king. So David said, Solomon will be king, and this is what you need to do to establish him to be king. Gave him five things to do. One was to ride on, on the king's mule. Uh, another was to have the priest anoint him with oil. Another was to shout, long live King Solomon. He listed five things in order to establish Solomon as king. 
I believe it's the same way it is in our lives today. There's a lot of us that want to get from one place to another, but we don't know how to get there. That's why I believe going to God's Word will give us that plan. So, the plan. Saul is, or maybe I should say Paul now, his name changed here in uh, uh, going back just a few verses here in, in chapter 13, is building a foundation. He gave them a brief history and then spoke concerning David. Every person that was in the, in, in the nation of Israel knew that the promise was made to David that one of your descendants will be on the throne forever. But they saw that fall apart, especially when the Roman Empire conquered them. So then how could this be? Well, we find Saul or, or Paul uh, explaining to them, this person is Jesus. And after John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, the one who comes after me, the sandals of whom's feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to you the word of God, this salvation has been sent. Now, by the way, this word, the Bible says he, it has been sent, tells you that God keeps his promise because God said that he would send a deliverer to the nation of Israel. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. He's saying that they should have known better. Uh, they read the scriptures. They, they know what Isaiah 53 says in these other chapters of the Old Testament, Psalms 22, about how Jesus would suffer. And they gambled my, my garments before me. And this whole vantage point of Psalms 22 that David, in this prophetic gift that God had given David, uh, the, if you ever want to know what Jesus saw on the cross, we can go to the God cam. That's what I call it. Psalms 22 is the God cam. That's what Jesus saw from the cross. It's an amazing piece of scripture. Uh, it goes through what Jesus felt, what he saw, what people were saying about him. It's all there. Psalms 22. It's an incredible chapter of the Bible. Everyone knows Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But Psalms 22 is what Jesus saw from the cross. And you find there the Holy Spirit speaking through David of the exact feelings, things he saw, the things he felt while he was hanging there on the cross. He said they were read in your Sabbath, in your synagogues. You didn't understand what they were saying. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Verse 29. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Took him down from a tree. Notice it doesn't say a cross. And I think this is important. It comes this way across in the Greek. There's a reason why. Is because when they took him down from the tree. Now, there's only a couple people in the Old Testament that were obviously hung on a tree. The Bible says, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. So, Paul now is... You might say firing off some of those 
neurons in their brains saying, hey, look, there's something more to this cross than just a cross. It's a tree. Who else died on a tree? Absalom died on the tree. His hair got wrapped up in a tree when he was running from David in his rebellion. So Paul brings across to them the idea that the tree is important because of what it says in Levitical law that cursed is everyone who uh, hangs on a tree. And so they took him from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God, thank God for those two words, but God, man fails miserably. We kill God. Oh, that's great. You know, I mean, that's the way people think. But God fixed it. Isn't that great to know? You can say that in your life tonight. You can look at your life and say, man, I've done everything wrong. I've done this wrong. I've done that wrong. But God fixes it. Isn't that good to know? Always remember those two words, but God. You, You see, everything would stay the same except you interject God into the situation. Then things change. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen for many days by those who came up with him from the Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. In other words, Jesus fulfilled all the things that were to be considered concerning the Messiah who was to come. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus as it was also written in the second Psalm. You are my son, and today I've begotten you. And he was raised up from the dead, no more to return to corruption or to a state of decay. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another Psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. Now, you say, wait wait a minute, what's what's this all about? Notice who he centered on. He centered when he was talking to them. He said about how the children of Israel fail miserably. God put up with them coming through. But David found, the Bible says, but God found in David a man that would do his will, a man after his own, own heart. So then, and and they're all going, yes, yes, David, the patriarch David. In fact, every Jewish person longed for the days of King David. That's when Israel was great. You see, that's when they were led by a person who knew God. Solomon started that way. We know by the end of his life, he had over a thousand women in his life. He was building. And by the way, a lot of people don't know this. Do you know who formally introduced idolatry into the nation of Israel? It was Solomon. You see, Solomon had married so many women from foreign countries in order to make peace treaties with all the surrounding neighbors that he built pagan synagogues in Jerusalem. The people's taxes were supporting this whole mess that Solomon had made. Quite different than David. There wasn't a person in the nation of Israel that did not long for the days of King David. So, Paul then mentions David, a man after God's own heart, and then what he does, 
He quotes from David. Do you see what he did? He set the stage. In other words, what I'm saying is be prepared to do what God's called you to do. Have a plan. I believe the Holy Spirit will say amen to what we initiate. A lot of people say, well, I'm just going to sit right here in this chair until, you know, God sends me a job. Is that the way it works? Yeah, if God wants me to have a job, he'll have my phone ring before they shut it off. Yeah. That ain't the way it works. You get up, you take the initiative, and God will bless what you do. There's a plan. Paul sets up David as the one after God's own heart and then quotes David concerning the Messiah who is to come. Verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his father, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption, speaking of Jesus Christ. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. What the law of Moses and keeping the law could never do, Jesus Christ can. That's the new covenant. That's the big difference. You you see, man could never appease God by keeping the law. The, The law, again, was never meant to justify man. It was meant to show us how much we needed a Savior. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will no means believe, the one will declare it to you. And when the Jews went out of the synagogue, notice this, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. We'll close here tonight. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, directs a sermon to the Jews because they honored David. He quotes from David to show them that, yes, there was somebody that was going to come much greater than the law that it would represent. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that. The Jews got up and walked out, but the Gentiles. What are you going to talk again? Will you come back next Saturday? Well... What we find in the next couple of verses, which we are not going to get in tonight, the whole town shows up to hear them. You'd say, that's great. Yes, great evangelistic message is preached. You know what happens? The Jews become insanely jealous. Here they were just eking by, trying to see if they could maybe win a proselyte here or there. Paul comes along and the whole town shows up. God is good. Let God do something in your life different than this year or the next year. Put into plan a plan. You say, Mike, I don't know what my plan should be. Probably don't. So what do you do? You pray, you say, God, open my eyes to what is needed. Do you know a lot of times it's when God opens our eyes and we see people that are lost and we begin to think, how can I reach them? What can I do to reach out to them? Have you ever noticed that that Uh, Back in the maybe the early 70s, late 60s, everybody was into rock and roll and concerts. And so what did we do? Well, we had Christian bands that would come in 
And people who were used to being communicated to that way came to hear the bands play. And they'd get saved. Well, what I'm saying is, think about today. And by the way, concerts don't bring crowds in like they used to. They they just don't, unless it's some great big name or something like that. They just don't. And you say, well, why is that? Because times and people change. So, where we're at tonight, where are people at? How do we reach them? Paul used the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we'll find that the whole town shows up to hear him. Let's pray. Father, may you give us inspiration. May you open our eyes to the truth and the power of your Holy Spirit as you want to work in our lives today. And may we have, God, that inspiration that comes from you. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.